It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Wednesday, Draft Eve edition of the show. We are we are going to continue the battle of the boards, talking defensive prospects today. Kyle, welcome. Thank you, Joseph. I am very excited to be here. I'm very excited also uh, to see you this evening, because that's going to happen. Much later this evening, sir. Yeah, like eleven fifteen Central Time, PM when you're flying in. Yes, yeah. PM. Yeah, there's a, there's a joke there, but you guys will never understand it. So you, don't worry about it. You never will. You never will. Yeah, I have to do. I have to do the city of Charlotte a solid before I get to Nashville. So we'll be together. It'll be fun. It'll be a good time. Defense. Do we want to make, make nice first, like we did yesterday, or you said you were going to bring the heat today? Um, no, nah, I say we just, we just start, we just start, see what happens. All right. Well, I will say this right off the bat. Yesterday, our offensive player discrepancy per player was four, an average of four per player. What is the average discrepancy that we have for these, uh, for these defensive players? We watched 122 mutual defensive players, Joe. I will say that number is 10. You're close. It's nine. Mm, Not bad. So a little more deviation with the defensive board. But generally speaking, Joe, we we see this thing similar at the top. Yeah, I mean, uh, and our top 10s are loaded with defensive players. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of my top 10 is defensive players. And you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven as well. So this is a defensive heavy draft, and we are seeing eye to eye on who the best players are. Well, we're not quite seeing eye to eye on all of them. You're hating on my man Cleveland Farrell, and I don't like it. hating. <laughs> I got a first round grade on him. Yeah, it's true, but you have him 18th overall. As compared to seven? Yeah, it's compared to seven. Um, that makes you hating. Man, it's I'm, I. I don't even have. I don't even feel good talking down on a guy that I have a first round grade on. Um, so why is he so low? Because there's 17 players I like better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, are we? Are we guilt? Not you. But yeah. Are Are we in general as a community guilty of overthinking Cleveland Farrell because he didn't test? Because he doesn't have the first step explosiveness that you really like to see in a defensive end, or what? Like, what's the deal here? It's probably those things. Plus, he has three seasons of production, and and it always kind of happens. These guys that uh, go back to school and they're seniors and they're very accomplished players. It feels like people are almost bored with them sometimes, and they're overanalyzed. And it's it's the the simple 
the simple concept of he, him being a really good football player that has a translatable skill set often gets lost. So, all right, that was a weird that was a weird start there, Kyle. I mean, I just had to get it off my chest because we were we were talking up the top of the class, and yeah, we each have seven mutual players. But that yeah, what's your problem? What's your problem with Christian Wilkins? I have him at ten. You <laughs> have him at twenty three. Yeah, I love Christian Wilkins. Yeah, so but he's twenty three for much. you, man. Wow, hater, man. All right, let's get into some real stuff here. Um. Talk about Sean, Ben Banigou. You want to talk about Ben Banigou? What What's yeah. this? What's the talk about Sean first? I was going to ask you about Sean Bunting because I watched his tape, man. And I really liked what I saw there. A lot of good athletic skill set, uh, physical uh, ball skills are present. I have him thirty nine. You have him sixty nine. Nice. Yeah. But what's what's going on? Yeah. Um, ball skills are definitely nice, right? He's another one of these guys is that's. I think more scheme specific that I'd really like him in cover three uh, bail technique where he's able to kind of key the quarterback as he's getting ground. I think he's athletic enough and loose enough in his hips where he can kind of take that, that cushion and stay over top of routes. And, but at the same time as a, a directional Michigan kid, I do think there's some needed development in his game. I think he is somewhat inconsistent with staying attached to bodies down the field and uh for as good as his ball skills are uh, i really want to see him be even more physical than what he is going forward uh if he's going to reach what his ceiling is which i acknowledge is quite high but for me i graded him and felt that he was a little bit more scheme specific like garrett bradbury right we talked about garrett bradbury yesterday as a scheme specific player I had him at 25. So obviously there's a large discrepancy between 25 and 69. But you had Garrett Bradbury where, 12? Yeah, I think so. And if I wasn't grading against scheme specific, and that's one of the challenges for grading these guys when you don't work for a team is you have to account for all, all, all types of schemes. Uh, it gets a little complicated and he he got dinged in a couple of places where if he was, had a more well-rounded skill set he would have been a higher graded player for me. Okay. No rebuts. I I mean I don't know I think think I see him differently. I think he's very I I love his versatility. I think he's very good in press coverage, has all the athletic traits to win in man, and I didn't really have any concerns with him in zone. He has ball skills, he's physical. My biggest concern was tackling and run support. So, I and that's see what I, that's what I was referring to with being more physical. Yeah, it's funny. A lot of these corners, man, like they're super physical in coverage, but then when they have to tackle somebody or get yeah. off a block, like nah, not doing that. <laughs> like, nah, no thanks. I'm yeah. good. Let's talk about Ben Banigou, Joe. Okay. You have him one thirty-seven in a fifth-round grade. Yeah. I'm sixty-two. What do you like so much about him? ceiling yeah I, I admit that yes ceilings there he's actually got a good good amount of rush variety really high motor player yeah um there's some there's some parallels with what Danell hunter was perceived at coming out of lsu Ooh, really i think so wow i did not expect you to say that i mean super unproductive as a pass rusher right because he wasn't asked to play that way 
But from an athletic profile standpoint, a physicality perspective, I think those three things combine and like it's the skeleton of what the issues were with Danell Hunter, despite Danell Hunter being the athlete that he was. And Banigou's an elite athlete for his position. Do you think he's loose? So I, my two biggest concerns with him are functional strength and flexibility. I so, don't think functional strength is a problem. I thought it was more technique and, and keeping separation off his chest to get off the blocks and, and hold his point at the line of attack or hold his positioning at the point of attack. See, so I thought I of, have an issue with play strength. Where are you, what are you doing with him? What do you, what is your optimal role for him at the next level? Probably four, three end. Really? Yeah. Whew. Um, I just think there's restrictions for me. Yeah. I, I mean, whether, I mean, you mentioned lack of ability to keep his chest clean. I mentioned the play strength. I, I think he's tight. I think he's got a lot of room to grow. Like, I, I think he just needs a lot of work. So you play him outside linebacker then? I just feel like that would give me more advantageous rush angles if I can move him around a okay, little well, bit. Okay, well, what if you played him in a wide nine? Yeah, I mean, that'd be fine. I I say, think that's, that's the compromise because I don't want him in a two-point. I don't want him standing up and, and playing in space he, that much. He screams Jordan Willis to me, man. I don't mind that either. But Jordan Willis was uber productive. Was Banigou not productive? Not he was like the sack, Big 12 play, defensive player of the year or something, wasn't not he? Not from a sack perspective. Not from a who? Sack. He didn't really? get sacks. He didn't. All right, I'm pulling up his numbers. Eight and a half the last two years. I mean, eight and a half, eight and a half. Okay. It's Often good. Pass the ball in the, in the Big 12. I mean, a thousand trillion no, times. The, yeah, I mean, I get that. The perception of him as a pass rusher is not where it needs to be. But I, I like think his variety. I think he has yeah, a lot so of moves. Yeah. So then how do you have a fifth round grade on him? Because I don't think he can I don't think he has flexibility or play strength. And he needs technical work. Yeah. And you think he's miss he's like a super tweener. Like he's gonna have to find <laughs> a certain role. Mm. I don't know, man. All right, give me one. All right. Back to the hopper here. Should we get the Jermaine Pratt conversation out of the way? I don't think we need to talk about Jermaine Pratt. I think people are tired of hearing us talk about Jermaine Pratt, to be honest with you. Well, just let the record state that it's the biggest description we discrep, discrepancy we have in this year's class. I have him 66. Kyle has him 281. He's not for me. Not only would Kyle not draft him, he's not even a priority free agent for Kyle. No, that's not true. I have a ninth round, I have a seventh round grade on him. But if there's 256 draft picks, right? There's 30 players you would rather have in undrafted free agency above Jermaine Pratt, just from that perspective of math. If you're going to take that very elementary way of looking at the draft, then sure. But that's we both know that's not how it works. And that's why I, I did a horizontal board this year so that you can have those conversations in the seventh round talking about players. Man, you like hate him. He's not for me. All right. You don't want to I talk did, about I, it, I, did, I, did, I didn't think he had great range. I didn't think he had great redirection ability watching his film at NC State. I thought he was stiff, and for a guy that used to be a safety, I was really underwhelmed with his functional movement skills on tape at NC State. Do you think that skewed it for you? Like, were you like? I mean, did, maybe maybe a little bit. I ain't changing it now. I, I agree with you. Like, he's not what I expected to be for a safety convert, like in any way, shape, or form. Right. Size. The way he plays, very different. 
I agree with I, I I can understand that. Did you watch Chase Hansen? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't have this photographic he's, memory he's, like you do. So he was a, he was another safety convert at Utah, and like he moves the way I expect a safety convert to move. Oh no, now, I did. I was thinking of Cody Barton. I didn't do Chase Hansen. Cody Barton's trash, right? Cody Barton's weird. I'll say that. I don't know right. Anyway, Where do I have Ch- him ranked? Chase Hansen, while you're looking for that. A late day three, so I don't like him. Yet. Really, really fun athletic profile, explosive movement skills. He's not good at processing, and he's not good at tackling because he's so used to having that extra space as being a safety versus being on the second level, where suddenly you're five to ten yards closer to the football. You, your ability to come to balance needs to be much more crisp, and he's not in those areas. But like, if you're looking for a safety convert, what I was expecting to get with Jermaine Pratt from a movement skills perspective was what I saw in Chase Hansen. And when I didn't get that, it really put triggered a bunch of red flags in my brain, watching the rest of his tape and looking at some of the other restrictions that I feel like he has. Um, what about Sutton Smith? You're, you're quick. You're a little bit more willing to buy in on him. You have him at one Oh nine. I'm having him at two twenty five. What makes you comfortable with him? Uh, I think he's a convert to linebacker. I, yeah, I understand that. But what what about that sure. is sure, comfortable sure, sure. for you? Let me. Yeah, 109. Um, one of the things I liked about Sutton was his elite short area quickness. Uh, I thought he was a pretty smart football player. And when they gave him opportunities to stand up and kind of twist and stunt, I thought he was very effective finding soft spaces and and blocking protections. And that flashed with his ability to tap into the backfield. So uh, I think his athletic profile lends itself very favorably to linebacker. Um, Watching him at the senior bowl and they, they kept trying to give him rush uh, rushes off the edge, bless his heart. And it's, it's just not for him. Yeah. So if he's going to go to a place that asks him to do that, it's game over. And my, my projection is going to be way, way wrong because that he just does not have the length of the play strength to do that. But you put him off the ball. I think he's smart enough based on his processing speed that you can convert him to linebacker and down the road, you can have yourself a nice little player. I think it's such a different world. Like what he's going to have to do, to find a role at the next level versus what he did at college. I think it's such a big jump, man. And then he's super small. I mean, but how is that any different than, um, there, there's a long list of these guys this year, Raheem Bingham, Malik Carney, uh, O'Shane Zimenez, Malik Reed, all these guys, man, are like going to have to really play a different role at the next level. how's, How's it any different than what Joe Schobert did? Is there a long I, and I don't know the answer to this, and I'm, I'm not saying this like in a in a demeaning way, but is there a long list of guys that have done that? No, there's not. See that I'm just not comfortable with it. I know Joe Schobert did it, and, and he's a good player. And Joe Schobert, Joe Schobert's stature and athletic profile to me are very similar to Sutton Smith. So uh, that's yeah. why I'm by that's what, part of the reason why I buy into it because I see that pathway is there. I, I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, Schobert's a little bigger, but yeah, uh, similar. Actually, Sutton Smith's more of a better athlete than Joe Schobert. So, right, right. That's interesting. All right, I'll give it back so to that's, you. That's that's where I'm at on that one. All right, so let's talk about 
the corner class, I had to laugh. So for me, it's Justin Lane and Sean Bunting are the ones that I'm low on that you're high on. And for yeah. you, it's Julian Love and Trayvon Mullen are the ones that I have high have second round grades on that you have like third or fourth round grades on. So talk to me about Julian Love and Trayvon Mullen. Um, I think there's their scheme specific guys. Um, that's going to be the theme with the corners, huh? Yeah, right, right. It's just I, I don't know. It's there's a lot of like personal flavor with these corners. I think. Uh, I mean, if you can get Julian Love in like bump and run coverage, I think he can really help you. But I didn't buy into his play speed or his flexibility on tape, which are you know big things for me. Um, I didn't think he was a great run defender for a guy that I thought was really physical at the line of scrimmage. Stuff I discriminate against, so. I don't hate him. I have probably what a fourth round grade on him. You have uh fourths on both those guys. Yeah. And then Trayvon Mullen, I think, I mean, he just didn't get tested very often at Clemson. And so I wish I would have saw, seen more opportunities for him to compete at the catch point and feel a little compete. bit more comfortable. Yeah. But I'm looking at my notes for him. Um, like him in press coverage, did not like his transitions. Thought he had a lot of really elongated transitions. Um, and I put on here, it, Mullen was rarely targeted and his ability to make game-changing plays on the ball was an unknown. Is he a guy that you're going to trust in man very often? I don't know. I, I just feel like there's questions with him. Okay. You're All up. right. Is that it? Is that it on the on those two corners? All right. Yeah, I just wanted to get your perspective there. Yeah. I got my next one lined up, but it's your turn. So. Oh, okay. Well, I was not really ready. Um, so you were expecting rebuts? I thought you would have more to say. I mean, it's just I think it just kind of it, it is what it is, right? Yeah, I'm not going to beat the dead horse because, like you said, it's it's personal flavor and scheme specific. How does that? How does factoring for that kind of weigh in each individual player evaluation? And I'm not going to give you a hard time because we saw them fairly similarly. I just graded them higher. So I guess they're just more of my type of corner. Uh, David, not to keep talking about corners, but David Long, you have him 233. I have him 96. Yeah. I thought he, I mean, his tape's good. What, what, he's athletic. Did, what are you missing when did, here? When did you watch him? You watched him before or after the combine? I watched him. I didn't watch him until after the combine. Okay, that's part of the reason why. Because you watch his film, just his film, without the context of what his athletic testing was. And I, I had a totally different perception on the kind of player that he was. Um, he's kind of cut from that Jordan Lewis cloth, ooh. right? Is that a good ooh or a bad ooh? Um, it's not a good one. Right. And that's kind of like, you remember Jordan Lewis was like apple of everybody's eye, but he was a little stiff and he's a little undersized. And like, I'm sorry, but I didn't see that kind of redirectional skills with David Long. I did not see that what he run a, a sub four in the short shuttle. May, yeah, maybe so. I, I did not see that on film. So I'm watching him and I'm knowing the kind of defense that this is and how good they are as far as getting their guys in line and mentally being crisp and disciplined. And he's got good zone awareness, right? Like the, the interception they had in the end zone this past year, dropping off of flat coverage and taking away 
uh, a back of the end zone target was a really, really nice play. He's got good zone awareness, but I just, I don't think he's big or strong enough to play press man. I don't think he's got the functional athleticism to transition and play isolated out in space. I think he's going to have to play in the the nickel. And I just had, I had a lot of questions relative to his, his game tape versus his athletic testing. And he was not a player that I could ever get myself to feel really comfortable with. I know a lot of people like him, but I know a lot of people also liked him after they saw what he tested. And yeah, I'm not I, I mean, I wasn't familiar with him until after I watched this. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not accusing timing. you or anybody else of you know, getting suckered by that, but I, you can't tell me that doesn't subconsciously change your perception on the player, knowing what he tested. Of course it does. So for me, that was something that, you know, I went back and watched another two games after the combine because it's like, holy shit, this guy tested light years better than I thought he would. But I didn't really see anything different. So I just left him. You know, I thought about making adjustments and I'm like, all right, if I go back and I see holes that, you know, I thought were too big, I'll I'll adjust the grade. But I never really saw anything on film to change my mind. So I just left him where I had him graded before. No, no rebuttal. I no see him different. I mean, I, I think I, the biggest thing that I disagreed with you that you said there was like his press coverage where you didn't think he was going to be that impactful in the NFL, which I, I really loved him and press. I thought he was super balanced and patient with his feet, willing to get within the frame, good leverage, thought he had a good pop in his hands, good lateral mobility to set roadblocks off the release. So I buy in a little more, a lot more actually. Okay, and how do you feel about his his stature and his length? What do you know? Do you have it off the top here? He's five ten with sub thirty one inch arms. What's his weight? One ninety six. Yeah, I mean, doesn't I mean, one ninety six <laughs> is fine. Wouldn't wouldn't but be how you draw him up for sure. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, he's in the thirty fourth percentile for height. He's in the twenty seventh percentile for arm length. And I don't know that he played at 196. You know, that's kind of the, the hazy part of this pre-draft process is these guys come in and they test and they, they weigh what they weigh. And that's, but people want to knock Brian Burns for playing at 228, even though he came in at 249. Yeah. Can he maintain the weight though, Kyle? It's it's hazy. It's hazy. (laughs) So let's talk about LJ Collier, another uh, TCU horn frog that Joe hates. What do you mean hate? Where do you, fifth, where do we have him? grade 30, 139th on your board? Where do you have him? 89th. 50 <laughs> spots different. I'm surprised you like him that much. I mean for what he is. I mean he's what heavy-handed physical dude? Yeah. What's his pass rush upside? Bull rushes. Uh Yeah, I mean that's what he can do, right? If you're looking for a pocket collapser, Sure. I mean, there, I guess there's it, a growing market for these kinds of players, though. I get that. And, and it's funny because I believe in Jalen Ferguson. I probably a lot more than you do. But with Collier, I didn't I didn't I thought you got like you didn't even get that caliber of player, in my opinion, on tape. Collier's a better athlete, though. Yeah, everybody's a better athlete than Jalen <laughs> Ferguson. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm curious where I have them compared. I have Ferguson above Collier, I'm sure. Um, I'll tell you here in a second. 
I have Ferguson. 120. And Collier. You have Collier. 139. So pretty, I mean, not, not that far off. Similar type players to me, man. What makes you, what puts, where do you have Ferguson? In the sixth round. Okay, so what what is the big trump card for you in terms of Collier? I think Collier's much more explosive. Uh, Ferguson, I thought, feasted off of small-time competition. And I know the Big 12 is (laughs) not the best barometer. But, like, it was kind of like the Marcus Davenport thing with Ferguson where he's not getting touched someplace. Or if he is getting touched, it's by, like, the guy who's going to do your taxes five years from now. So I just thought he was a really big fish in a small pond, but I thought the small pond really enabled him to dominate at his level where Collier, I mean, they played Ohio state. And I know again, Ohio state's not blue chip offensive line prospects at offensive tackle, but uh, he put some guys on their butts and he's, he's explosive and, and the long arm ability that he has and, uh, he put Calvin Anderson through the ringer against Texas. And uh, I just thought that he was tested enough and I thought he showed more explosiveness. And I also thought Collier got better as the year went on, right? This was not a player that had a ton of starting experience, but you watch him at the beginning of the year and then you watch him at the end of the year. And I thought the light bulb really came on for Collier down the stretch. So that was something that had me excited versus Ferguson you know exactly who he is because he's been the same player for like three years now. I'll, I'll say this about Jalen Ferguson. I thought his game against LSU was really good. I, it was probably one of his better games. Yeah. So that gave me a lot of a lot of promise for his ability against top competition. What else stands out to you, Kyle? Um. You really like these two big boys, uh, Colin Saunders and uh, Rennell Wren, huh? Yeah, man. Those, yeah, I do. I do. I, those guys, they're big, athletic dudes, powerful dudes. You see flashes of them that are just really special. I mean, Saunders, he didn't need technique to win at Western Illinois, but when he got to the Senior Bowl and you saw him start to like get a little bit more savvy with his hands and, and just how he evolved throughout the course of the week in practice. And then I thought I had a really good performance in the game. I really liked that. And so I'm buying into him. He's got a great personality. You know, as a player, we got to spend some time around and you can just tell he's an infectious dude. And then Rennell Wren is a player I thought I wasn't going to like at all, uh, especially because he didn't pop for me as much at the senior bowl outside of some flashes. And I went back to his tape and you just saw some really nice plays where he was able to play with extension and get his hands placed and disengage. And he's very athletic and he's big and he's, you know, got a perfect frame. Like I feel like there's a a nice ceiling with him. So if I'm taking defensive tackle, like in the third round, man, those guys would be nice in my opinion. And I don't necessarily disagree with you. I mean, I'm not low on them by any means. I'm 118 and 119. They're very, very early day three guys for me. But if they get drafted in the third round, I'm not going to complain at all because you understand what teams are looking at. You understand what their specific needs are. And I just, relative to some of the other defenders in the class, I'm a little bit lower on what their ceiling can be. Um, 
versus their role and usage at the next level? Because tell me if you disagree. Are these guys both ideally one techniques? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And that that projecting into that scheme and kind of having that understanding as I'm grading them based on their traits, I think that was a materialization of value of the player relative to so what some of their restrictions are, knowing what I thought their clear role was at the next level, which for me also was both those guys as one techniques. Kyle, why is Max Crosby people's favorite sleeper pass rusher? I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> I got him 171. You got him 169. I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, he's soft, right? Like he's Super what, soft, Like yeah. if you didn't like TJ Watt two years ago, like that's what you thought TJ Watt was. Right? <laughs> like that might be generous. Just got bodied and pushed around, and he's he's got good speed off the edge, but he can't hold the line of scrimmage, Ow. and he's got no pass rush moves. Like that was the narrative for TJ Watt, and obviously that has proved to not be true, or at least in whenever he plays the Cleveland Browns because he beats the piss out of them. But Watts had a fairly successful first two years at the pro level. Um, but you take all those restrictions and then you water down what his ceiling is and that's max crosby and he's a fun player for being a prospect from eastern michigan but i don't see the ceiling of like take this guy on day two if you miss on x y and z pass rushers and get excited about it his testing's unbelievable he is above the 90 percentile in 40 vertical jump broad jump three cone 20 yard shuttle and 60 yard shuttle what do you weigh in it 255. That's crazy to me. 6'4 and 7 eighths, 255, 32 and 7 eighth inch arms. 466, 40, 36 inch vert, 122 oh. inch broad, 689, three cone, 413, 20 yard short shuttle, and then amazingly, 1135, 60 yard shuttle. So then he, he's sub 33 in the arms? Yeah. That hurts. Because that is what those percentiles were compared to defensive line. If I go to de- defensive end, one gap defensive end, he's still above the 82nd percentile in everything. So he's a good athlete no matter how you spin it. Yeah. No functional strength, though. None. All right, Joe, why don't you tell me a name that you wish I would have watched? All right. Let me prepare myself to answer that. That's hard because you watch so many. Uh, Evan Worthington. Nope. I don't want to talk about him. Okay. So Evan Worthington is my highest graded defensive player that you did not do. And I have him at two Oh eight. So He's, I didn't miss anything on defense. Oh God. No, you've only, you there's only two. There's only two players that I did on defense that you didn't. It's Ben Humphreys crap and Evan Worthington. So I don't have any, <laughs> you didn't miss anything. Okay, good. If there was one for you, um, I could Isaiah talk about Wharton? I would talk about Wharton or Josiah uh, Talafea, mm-hmm. but I would go with Steven Denmark from Valdosta State. At corner? Yes. He's fun. He's super big. He's like 6'2", 215, 220. Former wide receiver, played his last, uh, switched over to corner, and whew, ball skills out the wazoo, and he's not afraid to tackle. He's not a great tackler because he played at Valdosta State, and he played wide receiver predominantly but uh he's pretty fearless he's gonna be a really fun day three flyer for somebody to take what is what is his size again he's like 
He's like 6'2", 6'3", 215, 220 pounds. Jeez, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big dude. Yeah. He plays corner? Plays corner. What does that look like? <laughs> it's like weird like Joan Williams? Uh, yeah, but bigger. <laughs> That's weird to me, man. Yeah, he's he was a really unique watch. I had a good time watching his tape. Um, any parting thoughts here on the boards? Draft is tomorrow. Uh, it's tomorrow. My dogs are excited, as you're about to hear them stirring because uh, the mail's here. But um, no, no closing thoughts. Looking forward to tomorrow, man. Okay, go ahead. Mute that, mute that mic before <laughs> those dogs explode. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on the dudes. I'd like to thank you guys for carving some time out. Hope you guys enjoyed this battle of the boards, this showdown where we picked each other's boards apart. We did offense yesterday. If you guys missed it, make sure you swing it over to the draft network, LLC, uh, Twitter account tomorrow for our draft show. Uh, we will be at STK restaurant in Nashville, uh, presented by under armor rush, their new line of performance apparel. We're really thankful and excited to have them on in addition to Coca-Cola, Orange Vanilla. Uh, great sponsors. we got a great show lined up. We're going to have great programming. Ben Albright is going to be joining us for some insider information. Uh, we're going to have our host, Paige DeMacos, bringing us through all three days, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. We're streaming it live. It's going to go on YouTube when we're done. Super excited about it. Make sure you guys come over and check it out. Kyle Krabs, at Grinding the Tape, signing off with Joe Marino, at the Joe Marino. Come see us tomorrow.